Hello, welcome to the Hands-On OT Podcast, recorded on February 28th, 2021 in New Jersey. My name is Jesse Prochalik, and I'm an occupational therapist specializing in upper extremity rehabilitation. And today we will be discussing leadership priorities as it pertains to a very special project that I'm working on, which I will share with you today. To give you a little background, I have been treating conditions of the upper extremity now for about four years. Two years ago, I had my first daughter, Palmer. No, she is not named after anatomical description of the volar surface of her hand, nor the great golfer Arnold Palmer. While delivering Palmer, I experienced a traumatic birth that consisted of over 40 hours of labor, a midwife who lacked concern, a vacuum-assisted delivery, a second-degree tear, and subsequent postpartum post-traumatic stress disorder. Initially, I didn't even realize the depth to which my labor and delivery experience affected me until filling out a routine questionnaire at one of my daughter's well visits. This prompted the pediatrician to recommend I reach out to someone and discuss my feelings and thoughts surrounding my daughter's birth. And so with the support and assistance of my husband, I found a therapist who worked through my thoughts and fears. After about a year of seeing a therapist, I was finally at the point where I did not want to live in fear anymore and refused to let the experience change my dreams of having multiple children to complete my family. And so we got pregnant with our second child. With this second pregnancy, I experienced pubic symphysis dysfunction, with severe pain when transitioning from sit to stand, getting out of my SUV, and walking up and down stairs to name a few tasks. And so I sought out a pelvic floor specialist to assist with providing exercises to alleviate the related symptoms and help strengthen my pelvic floor. It was there that I learned that my pelvic floor dysfunction was likely attributed to the traumatic and vacuum-assisted delivery of Palmer, and that I should have been seeing a pelvic floor therapist soon after delivery. And I thought to myself, why did no one mention this to me prior? Why did I not even know that therapy is something that could have helped to heal and prevent any further pelvic floor disorders? Was I lost along this continuum of care? Would I still have been in severe pain if I didn't know that pelvic floor therapy existed and had been proactive in reaching out to get a referral? And then I thought, wow, is there a lot of other women out there who are lost as well along this continuum? And could they too benefit from having an understanding of what therapy is available for them for various conditions? And what if their healthcare providers were more proactive and diligent in getting them referrals to the appropriate therapy in a timely manner? Simultaneously during my pregnancy, I started taking continuing education on treating breast cancer-related lymphedema. I then became the first and only therapist at my center to be treating lymphedema and related issues. This is where I met my first official breast cancer patient, and for the sake of anonymity today, I will call her Jane. Jane was a young mom of four children who had recently underwent a bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction and implants placed. Jane came to me due to having lymphedema, decreased range of motion, and decreased strength. Jane's husband was a doctor, and so she was proactive in reaching out for therapy when she realized her functionality was off. During evaluation, Jane told me she, how she is still young and wants to look and feel good for herself, her spouse, and her children, and that the appearance of her breasts were important to her, but that no one had educated her on scar management up until this point. And at this point, I realized I needed to reach into my OT toolbox and educate her on scar management to help assist her with her goals and overall wellness. But again, I found myself wondering if she was lost along this continuum of care. Why did her surgeon not educate her on scar management? Was it even the surgeon's role? Was it the nurse's role status post-reconstruction? Or was this the role of myself, the occupational therapist? The answer is likely all of the above. Yet I was the first and only person to provide this education. And to think if Jane hadn't been proactive, even I may not have had the opportunity to provide this to her. And so this prompted me to return to my thoughts of, what if healthcare providers were more proactive and diligent in providing appropriate and timely referrals to therapy? And also, what if providers don't even know that these matters can be handled in therapy? Do healthcare providers even know the scope of what OT can do? Are OTs even truly aware of how our skills can be applied to women across the lifespan? So by now you might be wondering how my second delivery went. Well, I'm beyond excited to say that my second delivery experience was nothing like my first. The doctors and labor and delivery nurses handled every moment with the most care and concern and educated me every step of the way. I couldn't believe this experience could be so different and actually be joyful and memorable, but it was. And to my doctor and team, I cannot thank you enough. But I was not out of the woods quite yet. As I was recovering, I began feeling that I was a bit pudgier than I had remembered, and I simultaneously remembered some colleagues mentioning how they experienced diastasis recti with their pregnancies, 
or simply a tear down the abdominal muscles. And so I found myself feverishly researching on Google how to tell if I too had diastasis recti. I performed the test on myself and was pretty sure I in fact did. This was later confirmed at my follow-up appointment with my OBGYN. And yet again, I found my curious mind wondering if I would have even been diagnosed had I not had the wherewithal to bring this to my OB's attention. Was this yet another gap in care for women's health? And so with these experiences, I realized that we as occupational therapists, as well as other healthcare providers, need to do better to treat women across the lifespan and continuum of care. My experiences were just a small example of the myriad of women who did not receive the proper care that could have been provided across the continuum. And so the fire has been lit within me to educate colleagues, other healthcare practitioners, and women in the community on how OT can assist them with the various functional tasks and occupations that are meaningful to them. With this notion, I am creating a free virtual informational program to educate women in the community on how OT can help them with and through various issues in their lives. In order to lead this project to success, I have utilized the Leadership Challenge Workbook by Kuzes and Posner 2003 to assist me with the self-reflection and guidance of my own leadership attributes and values. As I reflected on what values I see for my project, I found the following to be symbiotic with my personal values and goals. Communication, diversity, innovation, learning, organization, quality, and lastly, service to others. Kuzes and Posner's further asked to take these seven values and distribute points totaling 100, with the likely end goal of being able to see which values rank higher or lower amongst the others. I, of course, did not fall for this trap and distributed the points equally amongst my values, which means that each value receives a total of 14.28571428571429 points. Why, you ask, did I distribute these equally? Well, aside from the fact that I've always been a bit rebellious, the answer is that each value is of equal priority to me. How can we be of service to others and provide a quality, diverse learning program without being first organized in our planning, effective with our communication, and innovative in our design? These values are the foundation to which the project will be built and support the greater pillars of this project to improve women's health across the lifespan. As Simon Sinek would say in the podcast, Values More Than Words on a Poster, 2012, putting these values into action are my hows, and to improve women's lives and my personal experiences are my wives. The current company I work for shares the similar value of the delivery of superior quality. The company further outlines the following values, treating others as they would like to be treated, results-oriented and achieve our objectives, team players, and resourceful in overcoming obstacles. These are all values that I agree with and I feel would support my project's mission going forward. These are values I will look for in others who eventually complete the project's team and bring the project to fruition. As a leader of the project and future leader in OT, I will need to lead from the front and exemplify the values I set forth and lead others to activate these values within their own actions that contribute to this project. As Simon Sinek has been quoted saying, a leader's job is not to do the work for others, it's to help others figure out how to do it themselves, to get things done, and to succeed beyond what they thought possible. An example of how I can demonstrate the importance of these values to others is to utilize my own time to seek out ways in which I can improve my own organizational skills. This may include researching and reading organizational tips and purchasing materials to keep myself and the project organized. Another example of forward leading would be to listen to podcasts and audible books on improving effective communication by taking the initiative and taking action, I will be able to demonstrate to my team my commitment to the values of our project and my commitment as their leader. As a leader, there may be critical incidents that arise that will provide a challenge to overcome. One of the greatest ways to handle critical incidents is to mitigate issues before they occur or become too large to divert. When leading from the front, the leader has the unique position of being in the forepart of the pack, and so it is the leader's duty to look ahead and see any potential obstacles and navigate the team around or through these obstacles. To quote Michael Jordan, one of the greatest American basketball players who led the Chicago Bulls to six NBA championships, obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it, go through it, or work around it. According to Kuzes and Posner 2003, questions and words can stimulate action in a particular direction. 
By being conscientious and vigilant with our words, we can demonstrate commitment to our core values and overcome potential internal and external threats to the completion of a project. Some of the keywords that will be utilized to elicit responsive action are inclusive, dynamic, adaptability, responsive, relevant, compassionate, integral, and exemplary. Some of the keywords to avoid are deficient, incompetent, catastrophic, irrelevant, lacking, and disorganized. Some of the questions that will be asked of team members will include, how do you view your role contributing to the overall goals of the project and organization? What makes you feel confident in your abilities to execute assigned tasks? And what support do you need from leadership to achieve optimal performance? As this project continues to develop, I will remain steadfast in leading from the front and exemplifying the attributes and values I would like to see for my team. The following are promissory actions I will take to signify my commitment to being a positive and effective leader throughout this project. I will seek out ways to improve communication by researching and reading books that advise on how to better communicate in personal and professional conversations. I will seek out ways to be better organized and prepared for my personal and professional endeavors by consulting organizational experts. I will seek to incorporate others' input and expertise throughout the project to encourage a diverse perspective and robust program. I will seek out ways in which our program can be innovative in its content and the delivery thereof. Incorporating my values into actions throughout this project, I will be able to create a powerful and informational program that will educate my community and others as to how OT can provide care for women across the lifespan. This will lessen the gaps in care for women across the continuum and improve the lives and well-being of women globally. In closing, I'd like to share a quote from Margaret Mead. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Until next time. Mm-hmm.